0: So, it's good to see you. Good morning, everybody, on this uh, December the 3rd, is it? The year has crash-landed. It's already the end of the year. It's unbelievable to think where the year went. I know not. And, um, but it's good to be here. And thank you for coming to church on this, what's it, balmy, humid Sunday morning. Um, so much going on. So many things happening in the world. Uh, I wonder if it's the birth pains of change happening uh, on the planet. I think there's a lot of stuff going on. I think uh, the nations are groaning. I think um, the enemies at work on a governmental level, Um, he is trying to break up the church. But the church is something that you just can't stop, amen? You just mysteriously, wonderfully, the more you persecute her, the more she gets strengthened. Isn't that amazing? And um, so I want to talk to you this morning about, which I touched on last week, is about being all in and um, understanding that and, you know, sometimes uh, Christianity, um, I believe when Jesus came, he, he gave us a way to live and we've, through the years, tended to soften that. We, we just think, hey Lord, i just like to it's a little bit easy, you know, there's things I've got to do and... Um, if you look at the story of Israel, he said, I want to make you into example for all nations of the earth. I'm going to deliver you, and you're going to be my very precious people. You're going to be a people like no other people. You are going to be a worshiping holy nation. You're going to, you're not going to have a king. I'll be your king. You're going to lift your hands. I'm going to bless you. Um, There's going to be fruitfulness. There's going to be joy. There's going to be the very cloud of God in your presence is going to be a temple. I'll, I'll walk with you. I'll be with you. But we know, as is our human nature, the consequence of the fall is that we, we are drifters. Amen? We, are, we tend to drift. We tend to, to get in love with Jesus, and then we tend to drift. I think the divorce rate in the world is about 50%. I don't know if that's right. I think in this church it's Less than 3%, 5%. I don't know what the divorce rate is in this church, but I want to preach on faithfulness all the time. And so, so my message today is, is being all in, um, all in and fully blessed. It's a word that I use in Pretoria. At a, I went to visit a church, and while I was flying up, I just wrote that down, all in and fully blessed, amen? And so that's what we want to do. Um, and I want to talk to you again, a little bit touch on this, because if you get this as a believer, I think you get a lot. Can I repeat that? If you get this, which I don't want to get too philosophical or technical, but it's a difference between essence and form, okay? It's important because um, if if we get those two confused, we get religious. And when you get religious, it's a terrifying thing. What is essence? Sometimes when the essence goes, we replace it with form. What do you mean by that? What is essence? Essence is our true, loving, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a, uh, religion is everything outward that people can see, but true essence is my personal, knowing, intimacy with Jesus. Um, When that goes, when we no longer have an essential or a real relationship a living relationship with him because when you say to a Jew you can have a personal relation with God they say what say that again if you say no you can have a you can know God personally you can speak to God as a father as a friend as a healer as a deliverer as a husband what and so what we do is religion if you go around the world you look at religion you think It's just form, but Jesus came to bring us essence. Sometimes when our love grows cold, our hearts are not on fire. We're a little bit bored or familiar with Jesus. He is infrequently on our lips. Don't see him. I can't see him. I I look around. I can't see Jesus. I have no perception of who he is. Um, I can't feel him. I don't notice him. I tend to ignore him in my everyday life. Of course, he is not seen, but I see him with my spiritual eyes. I taste him with my spiritual taste buds. When I lose that, we slip into religion. We have occasional and short encounters with him more out of duty. And either what happens, when that happens, we either fall away completely you just say, I can't do this. I have friends who've said to me, I remember in the army, a good friend of mine said, I can no longer do this Christian thing. I've tried, I fail, I'm out. I remember sitting on the, we were officers, I sat in the bed. I said, surely not, bro. He said, I'm out. I'm going into the world, I'm done. I can't do this. Actually, he said, I want to go and sin. That's, that's what he said, you know, and, and sin he did very well. I wonder where he is today. Or we become religious the prodigal, the one brother was sinful. He walked away. The other brother was religious. He had a form. And so we don't want that. A form is needed. We need a form. We need a structure. We need a wineskin. But if that replaces essence, um, it's behavior. We want, scene, we want people to see, oh, I'm holy. I dress well on Sundays. I'm very nice to Kati on Sundays, but Mondays anything can happen. You know what I'm saying? We are outwardly kind, but inwardly a little angry, a little gnarly, if I can say that. We dress well, we speak well, but inwardly there's not much happening. We can see this in marriage. <clears throat> and so, sometimes I've used marriage that's helped me, the family has helped me understand the kingdom. You can be married, but you can lose what you had at the beginning—that passion. You can lose first love. You don't desire. In fact, you stay longer at golf, or what do do you do? Surf skiing, or at work. (laughs) So, come home and the car's not there. Yay! I just got some time, and before the nagging or the acrimony starts, it wasn't like that before. What happened? You see, the Lord He knows. You see, the Lord knows us. So He says, He says in Malachi, "Remember the wife of your youth. Remember when you were so, you couldn't stop holding her hand, and you wanted to kiss her until you swallowed her, and you wanted to marry her, and you you you, you couldn't bear to say goodbye at night, and she went to her house, and you went to your house." He says, "Remember the wife of your youth. Don't break faith with her." You had faith to marry her. You had faith to call people to a covenant. He says, don't break faith with her. I know what you're like. You're drifters. Your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Why does the Lord say, I hate divorce? And don't let that condemn you if you divorce this morning. Don't let that condemn you. He hates divorce because he knows that we have a tendency to divorce him. He knows that. He's he's a covenant-keeping God. And so... Your marriage is not over if you're here this morning and you're wondering about it. Your faith walk is not over. Even though you may sin, even though you may be frustrated, even though you may be offended, I want to say to you, it's not over, amen? I live with the offense. I, somebody said to me, you will be offended as a leader in God's church for all the days of your life. Get used to it. Suck it up. Serve me. <laughs> so if you're going to be a leader in God's church, said, we had the rooties for lunch, and they've served this church for a year, and I want to thank you, Rooties. Where are you? Scattered, everywhere. Not here. They're serving, and I said we had a lunch at our house. Katy chicken burgers, which was very delicious. And I said, so were you ever offended while you were serving? And they kind of looked at me and they squeezed up their noses and think, well, not really. Oh yeah, there was one incident. <laughs> I said, thank you for serving. Thank you for even though you were offended by that very religious person in the church, that actually you kept going. It's not over. It needs, your marriage needs kindness. It needs grace. It needs courage. It needs humility. It needs attention. You need to return, ma'am, to your, to your husband, woman. Husband, you need to return to your wife. How? We're both broken. Katya and I realize we're both broken. We both, wow! No, we're both broken, amen? We both make mistakes. It's helpful to know that. We both sin. We both need to say sorry often. We both offend each other. You we offend each other. Amen? Somebody give me an amen. I'm Am talking to myself this morning. We both need to love more. We both need to give grace to and grace from. I need to give grace and I need to receive grace. Please be gracious to me. That's a great thing to ask your spouse. Could you be gracious? Because I do struggle. I'm not good. I'm trying to get better. So we need to give grace and receive grace. We need to ask Jesus for help. God is particularly interested in your relationship with each other and with him. The Christianity is a, is a religion, I don't like that word, of love. Amen? It is not a religion of form. It is not a religion of behavior, of duty, of seeing to be right. It's a, it's a religion of love. God is love. Jesus, uh, Paul said, if you have not love, you have Zippo. You can offer your flames, your body to the flames. If you have not love, you have nothing. You can speak with the tongues of men and with angels. If you have not love, you're just like a smashing symbol. Shut up. It's just, and so we, we love each other. We love our God. In Matthew 15, verse 8, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, Jesus speaking. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are human rules. So what happens is, is we, we switch either to outs or we switch to religion when essence, tenderness, passion grows. In 2 Timothy 3, chapter 1, if you can just put it up. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 is a tough passage. It's, it's the kind of thing you don't really want to read on a Sunday morning, but... Um, Let's get there. And it talks about, um, sorry, two Timothy, not one Timothy. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, okay? So this is now Paul. There's been the revival of the Gospels. Jesus has been on the scene. There's been all sorts of action. Then there's the book of Acts, and there's all sorts of things happening. People healed, many being saved, the Gospel going out, churches being planted, and then Paul's got the Unenviable duty of writing letter after letter, remedial, and helping the church come back to its essence. It says, there'll be terrible times, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Mm. Young people in this church, such good young people. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So Paul's, and here it comes. So all those things, he then bases it to me on having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So when we have a form of godliness, but no true Jesus life in us, no true spirit life, we, be, we take on a form of godliness, and we become impossible. In fact, Tim Keller uses the example of the mafia. What, they, what the mafia would do, if you've seen the mafia movies, they would go to church on Sunday, and while they were at church doing their religious thing, they would put hits out on and kill people. And so their religion would mitigate against their violence, amen? And what religion does, religion will kill us, brothers and sisters. Religious will make us into people that our kids will say, Dad, you can have your religion. I don't want it. But if you have the life of Jesus, the essence, the spirit, the flow, the joy, that's good, amen? Because you're a completely different person. And Paul is addressing that, and he is saying, don't have a form of godliness. You need the power. Wine and wineskins helps us. There's wine, and then there's the wineskin. When the wine goes, which is Christ, Christ flowing in us, that amazing substance in us, the overflowing joy, the tangible presence of Jesus, his intoxicating presence, for me it's manifest in a tenderness of heart. If you say to me, how does God manifest to you? I get very tender of heart. I go quiet when I feel the Spirit teaching me, leading me. When I worship, I, get, I can't even speak. I'm just like silent. I don't know what it is for you. The the dynamic, the the changing power of the Spirit at work in our lives. When that goes, we begin to focus on the wineskin, on the form, okay? And then we say, isn't that an amazing bottle of wine? Bottle. When you go to the shop today, they try and get you to buy wine based on the bottle. (laughs) That's an amazing bottle with an amazing label, with an amazing shape. I don't know what the wines are about. I mean, when I go and buy wine, I just think, I don't know, what, I don't, I don't know nothing about wine, really, but I look at the bottle, specials. <laughs> when, the, when the essence goes, we're looking at the bottle, at the wineskin. Hello. You see, the, the, the wineskin, the bottle, is the closest to the wine. The wineskin's important, but if the wineskin... Bursts if the wine skin breaks, which it does. It will eventually because the new wine bursts it, bursts it. To have wine skins with no wine is like having a crate of empty wine bottles. It's just worth nothing. So we want the wine. Can somebody say Amen? Can can we? We're saying, Lord, I want Your life. I've been doing church. In fact, I've been doing church since I was born. I was born into religion. I was interested in God, but I knew nothing about it. I used to go to church. I was a bit confused. Sometimes I don't know what was happening. We used to go and look at the girls at church. It's like, what is this thing? And I, but I was still interested. I thought, is it, is it for real? Until the gospel came and the wine came. And I thought, this is what we're looking for. This, this is the joy. This is the life. And you see, brothers and sisters, even this church is 40 years old, 45 years old or whatever. We're looking for the wine of God, amen, in our homes, in our churches. When you have zeal and you worship passionately, but when that goes, you discuss the lyrics more. Okay, so wine, skin, and form is important, like leadership, administration. I'm not preaching against form. I'm saying when form replaces substance, you want substance, you want the wine, and you want the wine, skin, you want the river, and you want the river banks. You can't have a river running without banks. In other words, what time do we meet? Who are the leaders? Who appoints the, the elders and the deacons? You need an administration. You need a form, which sometimes can be a little bit difficult, Christianity never offered us a form of godliness. It has always been the real thing. And what we do is we, we fight for the real thing. We're fighting for liberty. We're fighting for joy. We're fighting for freedom to worship. Amen? Versus law, regulation, rule keeping. And so we need to call each other. Jesus arrives and his first miracle at the wedding which is a symbol. It's a symbolic to me. It's a sign miracle. He comes to a wedding and this great festival ends because the wine is gone out. There's no more wine. It's an embarrassment. And then the mother, Jesus' mother, she's sharp. She says, no, listen, this son of mine, there's something about him. I don't know, but I have a sense that he's going to do something. Listen to what he wants to do. And what he does is he brings wine to the wedding, best wine, full wine, 700 bottles of wine, they say. Because he says, your religion is dead. Your religion has form, but you have no joy. And he uses a wedding to say, I will give your your relationship to God, your relationship with each other and your relationship to God, I will give you the best wine. Drink deep of me. Amen. In the Old Testament, you could get away with ritual and form. No one would know that you're empty inside. As long as you brought your turtle dove or your ram or your lamb or whatever you brought as a sacrifice and you went to your, the three main festivals, you could have been a bad guy. But as long as you just did what you had to do. But the law of the spirit of life, Romans chapter 8, verse 2, the new one set me free from the law of sin and death. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit. Lord, control my mind. Come into my heart. Amen? That's why some of us are formal and stiff, brothers and sisters. I can speak to you with much grace. We need to loosen up a little bit. We need to, like, do a Tula on the, everybody. We need, to, we need to have a little bit of life. Amen? Sometimes I suffer from that. It's life and it's peace. You're not controlled by the sinful nature, but you are controlled by the Spirit if the Spirit lives in you. And here the Holy Spirit begins to set the God's standards in our lives. What, what happens when you receive the Spirit? You don't have to try harder, keep, keep rules, but the Spirit begins to create new standards in you. He begins to think, oh, that was terrible what I said there. That was awful. Just, I just gossiped. I just slandered that. Lord, that was terrible. That's the Spirit. You don't have to, see your wife, your husband say, oh, you." somebody phone you. No, you know immediately because the Spirit is teaching you, amen? He is leading you into all truths. And he sets the standards of God. He transforms us. He is active. The Spirit of God is active in us. The Holy Spirit establishes life. He establishes truth. He draws us to Jesus. Whereas I need to come to church, I need to hear about Jesus, but the Spirit begins to soften me he begins to draw me to Christ. This morning, we got up and, and man, our garden was beautiful. And uh, fortunately, I went to my wife and I said, thank you for making such a beautiful garden. Our garden this morning, where the sunlight was breathtaking. Surely that must soften my heart. Surely I must think, hey, the Lord is good, man. Check this garden. Check these flowers. Check the bees. Bees everywhere. The Lord is good suddenly because i have new wine suddenly because i'm living the life of god he who the the son sets free is free indeed i want more of him i've got to go to church got to go to worship come and worship tonight come and lift your hands so the walls go down tell the soul "Oh, oh oh my soul worship god well how does it go Bless the Lord, all oh my soul. My soul is downcast. My soul is worried. My soul is this. I don't know if I'm going to finish the year well. Come and worship the Lord. Come and lift up your hands to him. The devil says, hypocrite. He says, you're going to hell, but you must be quiet. You hypocrites of hypocrites. I've got Jesus cleaning me. Yes, there's some work to be done, but Jesus is cleaning me. So I want to enter in. I want the Scriptures to come alive with the Spirit. You see more. You go more. You love more. You obey more. You want to give your all more. Why? Because there is new wine. there is life inside of you. So be careful with form, but we love. Now, if you have life and the Spirit with no form, it can be chaotic. That's what happens in revival. It's chaotic. This church springs up. This ministry springs up. This prophet springs up. There's all sorts of things going, but there's no sense of, no, hold on, bro, just easy. We don't want to let the the form kill the life, but there needs to be some administration. That's a whole other subject. A form of godliness is the lack of true enabling Holy Spirit power. The gospel is denied here. It says, denying, having a form of God, but denying his power. The gospel of Jesus is denied. To deny means to contradict. It disavows it. This is a strong um, uh, word translation. To deny means it rejects it. It abnegates it. It just says no. And so Acts chapter 1, the God says, I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to pour out my spirit. I wonder if some of you want to be filled with the spirit today. I did not plan to say that. I wonder if some of you need to be filled with the Spirit. Some of you may say, I've never been filled with the Spirit. I've never spoken in other tongues. Do you speak in other tongues? Well, why not? Speak in English, speak in French, speak in other tongues. It's a heavenly language. Some of you were filled with the Spirit, but you got jolly grumpy. And, and something's amiss. Something you think, hey, Nick, I, I had passion, or but I, it's going. And so he wants to fill you again. He's enabling power. Isn't that beautiful? Satan came along and he challenged Adam and Eve. What was Satan's main thing? What, what did he do? What was his ploy? Because original sin helps us with ongoing sin, ongoing struggles. You don't have to trust God. You don't really have to believe what God says. You hang with Him and hang on the God, but you don't have to actually listen to what He says. In fact, God is holding out on you, Adam and Eve. In fact, if you eat what, I, what, I, what he says you can't, and I think you, sh- you can, because he says you could be like God. What, what does that mean? You can make your own choices. What does that mean? You will know the difference between good and evil. You can be religious. You can be the religious guru in that garden, but you can decide what's good and evil. You don't need God They said, gee, that's amazing. So we can decide for ourselves what we can and can't do. Yes. (laughs) What happened was religion set in. Power left. The presence of God left. God actually said, bye-bye. I think it was a long affair. I don't think it was a little oopsie moment of a minute or two in the garden. I think it was a long affair. I don't have proof, but that's what I believe. They lost his presence. They lost the reality of his fullness, of his fellowship in their lives. Jesus comes along, and he says, I'm going to restore what Adam and Eve did. I'm going to take away religion, and I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you life. He pays the supreme price. Let's just look at this quickly. The highest price for our redemption is death on the cross for our sins. Jesus, in fact, keeps on resisting form because the religious leaders keep on saying, why are you eating on the Sabbath? Why are you mixing with tax collectors and sinners? Why did you let that lady touch you? Why aren't you observing all the decrees? But Jesus said, I've come to bring life. They they want you to squeeze the life out of Jesus and say, you obey us and our religion or we kill you. Not only does he want to reconcile us, but he wants to make us alive. He wants living water. He wants us to be spirit-filled. When we hear the gospel for the first time, The reality on the power, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God of salvation. It begins to impact you. When I remember for all of us, when we first hear the gospel, what is this? When Billy Graham preached in the 60s and 70s or maybe even the 50s, people just sat there. And they just thought, what is happening? Multitudes were impacted by the gospel, amen? And so when the gospel is preached, there is an impact. The life of Christ is beginning to find its way into us. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, that's why religion has a lot of words, but also not just with words, words are important, the logos is important, but also with dunamis or power, also with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you not just words, I'm going to give you power and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You can can differentiate for a moment if you want to go and look at that and study it. And with deep conviction. So there's a power for everyone who believes. There is a, there's the power. There's the Holy Spirit. And then there's a deep conviction. Am I preaching just to myself or are you hearing? And so I want to say, God, huh, is the deep conviction still burning inside of me? Does your zeal still consume me? Isn't that wonderful? The gospel comes with power. The good news, he's come to live inside of us, not in the church. He's come to take over the house. Jesus has come to take over. And when he lives inside of us and he transforms us, he takes up residence in us. He changes us. There is an enablement. You see, a lot of us, sometimes I know that that I'm drifting from God's presence and God's spirit because the enablements. What is my enablement? I'm an elder. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. I'm a husband. I'm a friend, I'm a co-worker, I'm a servant. Those things must be operating in me, amen? And for some of us in this room, when the enablement of God goes, I need to go back and say, Lord, fill this JoJo tank. (laughs) Fill this JoJo tank. It's at the bottom. In fact, even it's, it's below that thing, that last thing, when you open that, there's just a little bit of water. I need you to fill the JoJo tank with your life, amen? So that that thing's bursting, so that you can enable me. And so God wants to enable us, to change us, not outwardly. It'll kill you, man. It'll kill you. Luke chapter 2, we're going to have a look at it quickly. God's Israel, his people, the apple of his eye, they're struggling, they're defeated, they kind of connect with God. The religious leaders are doing terribly. The Romans are oppressing them. They've been waiting for 400 years, they've been been waiting for something to happen. For 400 years, similar to the 400 years in Egypt. Another 400 years from Malachi, nothing's happening. But the prophets have prophesied about one who is coming, the enabler, the one who will redeem, the one who will be like David, the one who will set us free, the one who will sort out all the religious rubbish. There's one coming, his name is Meshua, the deliverer, hero, the ultimate David, and so sometimes we pray, and God keeps us waiting. Sometimes when we pray, we say, "Lord," and He says, "I got you." And we wait, and we wait, and He says, "No, I've heard you. It's coming. I'm just pre- I'm preparing you for my coming." Keeps us waiting. Finally, Messiah comes. But of course, when He comes, they don't expect Him to come like He comes. When God answers our prayers, when God meets with us, I'm thinking, "I'm not to expect that. I don't expect that." Now, that's the answer to prayer. What? I don't actually know if I want that. But God's ways are not like our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are higher. (laughs) That's why you've just perhaps received the greatest answer to prayer, and you think, well, God's not in the house. He says, I've just given you the ultimate answer to your prayer. young woman, she's a poor lady. They don't have many means. She's engaged to a man called Joseph. We know the story incredibly she falls pregnant without marital relationships you want a um, relationship do you want to think of that what are you doing God this is just this is just going to be such an offense to Israel this is just going to cause so much trouble please Lord don't do it this way I mean anything but not that that's just going to cause scandal there's going to be questions lack of wisdom Lord send us like David Marching into battle. Where's that Goliath? ka No. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. When the time had come, 22, for their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to, um, they've been given the name uh, uh, Jesus in verse 21, 22. The time for their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord. Leviticus, what's it? I think it's 12. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Bring that kid you're obliged to. They have a Jewish tradition. They're of the tribe of Judah. And offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Where am I in my notes? If you couldn't afford... You had to bring, uh, Leviticus 12, I think it is, you bring a dove or a turtle dove and you bring a lamb for a boy. After 40 days, 7 days, he's, he's circumcised. 33 days later, you bring him to be consecrated. So they bring him. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Does anybody know what Simeon means? Who was righteous and devout. He's a Jew. Jesus is a baby. gospel hasn't been preached yet. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, which means the, the fulfillment, which means the redemption, which means the saving of Israel. He's saying, Lord, can't we, can't, it's been a long time now, Lord. He's, he's waiting. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Interesting. What does that mean? Some people d- discuss that. The Holy Spirit was on him, not in him. The Holy Spirit was all over the sky, I believe. And he would not die and said to him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christos, the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, Spirit Spirit-led. Sometimes people say to me, you haven't given me an answer yet. I said, I'm waiting, bro. I'm waiting just to hear what God says. This is a big decision you want. Let's just wait. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Simeon. Simeon means obedience. Simeon means here's God. Simeon means He's he's one who's listening. He's one who's given. He's one who's not listening to the culture. He's got an ear for the Lord. That's what Simeon would mean. When the parents brought the child to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. What? Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace. I can die. I can go. Why? For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. This little kid, he's 40 days old. And for the glory of your people Israel, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about Jesus. Of course, there's already been angels speaking to shepherds. There's already been a star. There's already been prophesied the virgin will be with child. She knows it. The, 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 the men from the east have come. This sounds like a Christmas story, eh? Sound nativity. No, it isn't. So she knew, but they marvel. They just marvel at this man, at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken again so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your heart, Mary. It's going to be pain. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineal, however you say that, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Old than me, older than me. Very old, maybe in her 80s. She had lived with her husband seven years after marriage. And then she was a widow until she was 84. She, yes, 84. <laughs> she never left the temple but worshipped night and day. So tonight we're worshipping. That's where we got from. She, you're so quiet, eh? Are you breathing? Thank you for that smile, Joel. I need it. Coming up to them, at that very moment that Simeon had just blessed, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee in their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and with the grace of God was upon him. Here's this couple coming with two turtle doves, all the religious people to the house of the Lord, to the, 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 the elite, the, the, the people that are in the, reading the Torah, doing their thing all the time. There's a couple coming with two turtle doves. Everyone says, oh, shame, they're poor. They've got a little baby boy, but they don't have a lamb. Pity. So they can only afford two turtle doves. Ain't no lamb on a leash that needs to be slaughtered, and and his and, and as a consecration to God, the firstborn is yours. But Simeon and Anna think. No, the lamb is in their hands. No, they they're carrying the lamb. This is the lamb. This is they, they didn't know that, but they, but 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 there was the lamb in their hands. And so many missed it. So many missed it. That's why my heart burns for Christ, because I think, you know, anybody watch The Crown? It's just only Katy and I. Has anybody not watched The Crown? (laughs) Well done. No, whatever. Do you know the thing about The Crown and the royalty? I mean, I think the queen is an amazing person, but they're just big larnies, They've got castles and palaces and diamonds and rubies and and attitudes and airs and graces. But the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he's come to lay down his life, man. He's royalty of royalties. And I know she's a godly woman, but you see, we all, our flesh says, Serve me. You know, the people of England, but we royalty, this Jesus that's grabbed your heart and my heart. Yeah, I can't afford a lamb, but actually, I am the lamb. You're, 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 yo. all in and fully blessed. When God moved us, when God moved to save us, rather, He gave everything. Like a husband to his wife, I was reading Hosea. Don't take yourself a a, a a wife of unfaithfulness. The children they won't be yours; they'll be of her illicit relationships with a whole lot of other men. And then when she's gone and she's had her illicit uh, sexual and adulterous relationship, I want you to go and buy her back full price. And he, and, he, and the whole story of Hosea, which I was looking at last night a little bit, is a whole story of go and buy her back. You see, you see, God is fully in with us. Jesus is fully in. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus, he leaves heaven. What's the mission? He's going to leave heaven you're going, to be, you're going to incarnate yourself in a woman. Her name is Mary. She's just a poor girl. What's my life going to be like? It's going to be rough. You're going to make some tables. You're going to be the son of an artisan or a carpenter. You'll grow up in the normal way, Jesus. There will be no shortcuts. Your ministry will start at 30. He gave himself totally to his disciples to teach, to disciple, to correct, to encourage, to live with them. He would fast for them, he would pray with them, he would work with them, he would minister to them, he would heal them, he would deliver them, he would teach them, he would wash their feet, he would cleanse their souls. He would resist and refute the religious leaders who hated him. He would clean out his father's house with a stick and a whip. He would suffer, he would be falsely tried, he would be mocked, he would be beaten, he would be insulted, he would be rejected. All, even his own disciples would fall away at his offense. How would he die? He would be crucified. He would hang on a cross. He would become our sin bearer. Yeah, give me your sin. He would say, "Give me your filth and your dirt. I will take it." Don't hold on to your sin, because if you, if you don't give me your sin, you will have to pay for your own sin. But I will take your sin. I'm fully in. So the full weight of the horror of the world would rest on his soul, on his mind, on his body, on his spirit. He was all in. Even the father would say, I forsake you. Because he shouts in a loud voice, Why have you forsaken me? Why and they would say, Cursed, cursed. When the Jews would walk past, they would say, Cursed, hang on a tree, curse it. You see, he's even saying, Why has his father forsaken him? Save yourself, cursed. He is all in, amen. He gives everything. But on the third day, he's raised, raised from the dead. Amazing, isn't it? No one believed it. Again. (laughs) No one believes it. He told them. No one believes it. He had to convince them. Then he begins to teach for 40 days about the kingdom. And then he ascends. And he goes to prepare a place for us. He's all in. He's still preparing a place. He's going to come back. Then he pours out the third person of the Spirit. That's not the lesser. That means the one who's who's revealed in a third way. Some say. Anyway, I won't get into that. But the, the Holy Spirit is then poured out. The Holy Spirit is all in on us, on the church. Sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to run a million miles from His church, but He doesn't. Sometimes He wants to run a million miles from us, but He's all in. Am I making my points? Therefore, He's able to save completely those who come, because He always lives to intercede. What are you doing, Jesus in heaven? I live to constantly and completely and always intercede for you, Nick. What? I'm interceding for my bride, for my people. You are God's temple. You are God's Spirit lives in you. He's all in. Are you all in to Him? Are you and I all in? Because He is all in. <laughs> Generously, Spirit is poured out, lavishly, freely upon all flesh. I've suffered from all sorts of heart issues in my life. Not physical, emotional. Why don't I have this? Why don't I want that, Lord? I want a better house. I want a better car. I want a better computer. I want a better church. No, you can't have a better church than this. He says, I give it all. I give it up. The Father will give me what I need. Isn't that amazing? You You see, that's why we need to, don't worry about the crown. Worry about the Christ. Study him. Gaze upon Him. Go from the foot of the cross and look up at Him. Go to the one thief who received mercy. Go to the other thief who rejected. Go on top and see how the Father sees the Son. You can study Him day and night. And so He's all in. Romans chapter 8, verse 32, as I come to land. He did not spare His own Son. Father, are you all in? I didn't spare my Son, Nick. I want you all in and fully blessed. He will graciously, Romans 8, give us all things. God has chosen. You can't bring an accusation against those that God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Hey, Lord, I, I, I just I can't do this. I justify you in Jesus, amen? Who is that? No one that condemns. He lives to intercede. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's just Romans eight thirty two. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, and on and on. Jesus wants to manifest Himself to His church, and He wants you to give your life to Him totally and completely. He has set apart a people, a peculiar people, a special people, a unique, holy, unmixed people, a people belonging to Him, with a citizenship that's in heaven, documented in the Lamb's Book of Life and the Heavenly Register of Citizenship living as foreigners and aliens here, I need to hear that. I need someone to come to my house and say, you don't need another house and another car and another wood. You have everything that you need. Amen? Amen? I need to hear that sermon again. A unique people. A temporary residence on this earth. If you're depressed this morning, I know there's, there's a lot of therapy. There's a lot of medication. Can I urge you to sit before your God quietly for hours and ask him to transform your mind and heal you? Say, Lord, I, I, I need your spirit to do something inside of me. I ne- my eyes have a habit. I have eyes that do bump this, bump this. But I want my eyes to do that so I can behold you. I can be transformed by beholding. You're a a different people. Don't get contaminated. He calls us his flock, his body, his bride, his temple, his family, his army, his vineyard, his dwelling place. We're not a secular people. He says we're new creations. We're not of this world. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. You're marked. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. There's a deposit inside of you guaranteeing ownership. His son is preparing a place in his father's house to come and get you. Is your oil, is your lamp Your container's full of oil. The Father's going to prepare a wedding feast. The Son's all in. The Father has always been all in. The Spirit's all in. Won't you stand with me, please? Won't you come under the Lordship of Jesus? As the year comes to a close, we have two more prayer meetings. Am I right, elders? We have two more prayer meetings. Come and pray with us on Thursday, because we're going to pray for the end of the year and 2024, because we need to, amen? We're going to, because as I've preached this morning, the Lord is all in. I'm asking you to be all in in 2024. Will you, be, will you become a disciple and will you make disciples? Will you come and pray? Will you go on mission? Will you give of your finances? Will you let the Spirit rip open your heart and say, Spirit of God, fill me with your presence. Change me, transform me. That actually you will love his bride. You know this, this church here? That actually we'll love each other. We'll love each other. As, some, as somebody says, you know, I come in, I can't relate to anybody. You've got it the wrong way around, ma'am. Actually, the, the Bible says, love one another. That if God has called me to this church, which he did 24 years ago, he says, I want you to love these people. No one greeted us when we came. I know I'm carrying on. Stand by, stand by. No one greeted us except Dave Lepofsky. So we just thought we better go and greet people. Hello, Nick and Cutty. Oh, hello. Where, where are you from? Oh, no, we come from Glenage. Okay. Hello, Nick and Katya. Oh, hello. We just greeted people. Are we heroes? No. No, we're not heroes. Go and love my bride. Go and love what I love. Give yourself to what I gave yourself to. Come on, church. Maybe it's not been a very inspiring sermon, but, but drop the form. It'll kill you. It'll kill you. And, and say, Lord, give me your essence. I close it there. Thank you, Dave.